by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. You know, I was thinking about this week, one of my most fondest memories of my dad. My dad didn't live in our house. And uh, so I didn't get to see him all that often. And my dad was a big hunter. I mean, that was his life. He'd, he'd work to pay the bills to buy him some more shotgun shells. That's what he lived for, you know, rifle, bullets, and whatever. He, he just hunts all the time. He did a little fishing, but mostly a hunter. That was what he was known for. And if you, if you wanted to impress my dad, you had to be a hunter. And if you wanted to see my dad, you had to go hunting with him. Pretty much. He invited me to go hunting one time, and I wanted to impress him so bad. I guess I was about 11 years old. And he took me to this little place. It was 40 acres of woods, and on every side was just hundreds of acres of farmland that was freshly plowed or whatever. I just remember muddy fields out there. He said, son, I want you to go down the side real quietly, and I want you to position yourself on the corner so you can see the back side of the woods. Say position yourself. Dad positioned me in the right place. He said, once I give you time to get there, then I'm going to walk through the woods. Making enough noise, I'm going to drive the deer out. And if there's any deer in this patch of woods, they're going to come out the backside, and you should get a shot. You be ready. Say, be ready. ready. Well, that's exactly what happened. I was sitting there on, I was positioned where he told me to be, and I I was looking down the tree line. And I was just hoping, you know, 11 years old with this big old shotgun in my hand. And then I heard a rustling. Can I tell you that my heart began to go boom, 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 boom. I mean, <laughs> buck fever, you know. I'm, and I went ahead and turned and got that gun up because I was just expecting something to come out. Sure enough, about 40 yards down, I saw it, a head stick out. A deer. But it was old slick head doe. Not a horn to be seen. And you could only kill bucks at this time. And she looked at me. And she saw me. And I didn't move an inch. Boy, that gun was getting heavy already. But I was just sitting there maybe shaking a little bit. And and then she trotted on out. And took off running across that big old wide open muddy field. And I said, please be another one. Another head struck out. It was another doe. This went on for some time. I had time to pray. I said, God, please send me a buck. Let me see some horns here. There was like four or five does that came out. They would look, and they'd run across that field. And I was about to get discouraged when, I, when one of them stuck their head out and looked and twitched their ears a little bit, just enough for me to see it had little horns about that big. Now, today, you can't even shoot those little bucks. But back then, if it had horns, it was legal. Man, and as soon as he trotted out, I, I took that safety off. I got boom and shot. And in my mind, all the times I had pictured killing a deer, when I shot one, they would fall dead. But this one didn't. <laughs> he, he took off running like the does right across that muddy field. And I thought to myself, oh, no, what am I going to tell Dad? 
And excuses started coming up in my mind. I had five or six of them over the next 20 seconds. I ain't kidding. I pulled my list of excuses. Uh, Dad, this happened. My gun jammed. Uh, this. And I was making up excuses as fast as I could go. And my heart was still pounding because now, uh-oh, what am I going to tell Dad? When out of the corner of my eye, what did I see? A splash out in the muddy field. And that deer had run about 120 yards out in that field. And laid over in the, in the wet turn row. Splash. Now you talking about going from a zero to a hero. I was so happy. I took out across that field running after that deer. And <laughs> it was so muddy that I, I didn't have boots back then. I just had some old tennis shoes. By the time I got to the deer, both tennis shoes were stuck in the mud. And my socks had started to flapping like this. And by the time I got to the deer, I was barefooted. But I was so happy. I saw that deer and I started. I was just out in the field. This was my first deer, you understand. Now I'm going to have something to tell daddy. And sure enough, I turned around. Daddy was running across the field. And like I said, it was my most fond memory of my dad. Because my dad was not an emotional guy. You rarely, if ever, got a hug from him or anything. But he came out there and he bear hugged me and turned me around like this. And we started running around that deer. Yahoo! He was just as excited as I was that I killed my first deer. <sighs> but I wouldn't have killed the deer if I wouldn't have been in position. If I wouldn't have been where daddy told me. Say position. When our heavenly dad comes back, will we be in position? Or will we put our head down and have to make excuses? I don't know about you, but I want dad to run to me with his arms wide open, excited. Now, our heavenly dad, of course, he's more into fishing. But it's basically the same principle, right? He's into fishing for men. So I want to ask you today, if Jesus came back right now, would you be ready? Usually you hear a lot of yeses in the church. Maybe I'm in the wrong church. I said, if Jesus came back, would you be ready? Yeah. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Well, now we're going to have to get the lies box back out now. <laughs> Let's put it back on the connect desk. Start all over. No. <laughs> no, I hope you're telling the truth. Because most time the church will say, yes, we're ready for Jesus to come back. But sometimes maybe not. And if you're really not excited about Jesus' return, and you know he's coming back, right? If you're not excited about it, you've got to ask yourself, why not? One, you're either in some kind of sin and you're not excited, you're making, you know you'll have to make excuses when he gets back, or two, you done became so in love with the things of this world that you're not even looking forward to heaven. And you're kind of deceived about what's going to cause true joy in your life. But those of you who said, yes, I'm ready to go, well, why are you ready to go? Because some of us might say, I just need to escape earth. You know, we're just, <laughs> even so, come Lord Jesus. The last words of the Bible, you know, it's almost like a plea. <laughs> don't leave me down here. But, and I don't know if that's all that wrong. I feel that way many times too. But I will say this. With all my heart, 
I don't want to go out of this place with a whimper. I don't want this church to go out with a whimper. And so I've entitled today's message, A Whimper or a Bang. A whimper or a bang. How are you wanting to go out when Jesus comes back? Because I believe he's coming back for a, for a victorious church. I believe he's, I don't know about you, but I just got this sense that he's just not going to appear when the church is in maintenance mode. The church, ain't, the, the church ain't expecting him. The church isn't looking for him. The church is not winning souls. With all these lost people in the world that the church is not reaching. I just envision that the church is going to be doing great mighty things. And it's going to be an end time harvest like we've never seen before. That the power and the, the presence of God is going to be so strong that the world is going to know that there is a God. I just know the mercy of God that he's going to reveal himself in a mighty way to those who are on the fence at the end. I just believe that. Ephesians 5.27 said that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Do you feel like we're a glorious church? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, not all ganked up and wrinkly and not prepared, not with our wedding clothes on because we're the bride of Christ, you understand. We want to have our lamps trimmed. We want to be a glorious church. We want to be shining so that she should be holy and without blemish. We don't want to be making excuses and saying, well, you know, everybody else did it. But we want to be set apart for the things of God. I don't know. Maybe you want to go out with a whimper, but I don't. And I am determined not to let you. As your pastor, I'm declaring over you that this church, you as individuals, we will go out with a bang. That's what's in my heart to do. You know, especially after talking with Pastor Vickers this week. He's our senior pastor. He's like the apostle over our three churches. And uh, we got to meet with him, and I got to meet with the other two churches, uh, pastors and their wives, and even a third church uh, pastor and his wife showed up in just a time of encouragement in Montgomery, Alabama this week. And man, I tell you what, our pastor is doing, he's graduated from, from uh, a congregation, uh, you know, pastoring a church. He's pastoring pastors all over the world in a mighty way. You know, we say, well, we're going to be all over the world. And you say, yeah, that's just pastor's dream or something. I, I never paid attention to that. It's happening right now. Pastor just met with 60 pastors in Pakistan a couple of weeks ago. He's, meet, he's meeting with, uh, we've got a passion pastor training center in Uganda right now. And he's working with other pastors in India. Now, he's not going to all these places. He's doing it by Zoom calls. He's using technology. And, and these places like Pakistan where you can be killed for your faith, they're gathering together to hear what somebody with some experience has to say. They're hungry for the things of God. There's an explosion going on in other nations of the world. And you're a part of that. And he, he stressed over and over that your church is giving to our missionaries. It's changing the world. He's just so inspiring to me. I'm going to preach. What I'm preaching today is mostly from the notes I got from him, listening to him. 
And he wouldn't think, wouldn't think anything about it. He tells me, whatever's mine is yours. He's our senior pastor after, after all anyway. He said, I think he said that he went to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting one time. Anybody ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? He's 74 years old, so he was old enough to have been there. And um, she was an evangelist of old and had a great healing ministry. Many works and the power of the Holy Spirit in her services. And I think he said he went, or he may have heard about it, but I think he said he went. And he said she was like on fire. She was pointing that finger. She was saying, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a church, or whatever she was preaching at the time. And she was so, you know, he said she was straightforward. She'd tell you like it was, and she was telling you like it was. She went to put that finger down again, and all of a sudden she stopped. She said, he's here. She no longer said he's here than some little boy that had a spine injury when he was a little baby and never walked and was in a wheelchair, jumped up and started running down the aisle playing. He said that there was a big man there that had brought his wife in on a gurney. She had an IV and she had stage four cancer and they weren't giving her any more chemotherapy. They had just said this, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do. She hopped up and pulled that that IV out of her arm, healed. And other people began to get healed in her meetings. And you say, well, I don't believe in all that healing stuff. I've seen, they, you know, that's just, I kind of was like that. I was skeptical. But I've seen it in my life. I've prayed for people, and I've seen them be healed before. You know, I was skeptical when I first got saved about all this. I'd never been into a, a you know, back in the 90s, we had church, church, you know. it was there, That was a time when it wasn't nothing for the Holy Spirit to come in and, and just miracles begin to happen in the church. You remember when they used to pray for folks and they'd touch them on the head and they'd fall out under the power of God? And uh, there was a guy named Norval Hayes. He came to our church. Brother Tom remembers. Norval Hayes was a big old man. He was old, and he'd gone on to be with the Lord now. But he would preach for like three hours. And he'd just tell stories. He was just building our faith for miracles. He was telling about things he'd seen in his life. And then he said, if you want your miracle or something, I can't remember what his altar call was. He said, come on down to the front. And this was when we was in a big church, and there was a whole bunch of people came down front. And I went down reluctantly. I don't know kind of want to believe this stuff, but he ain't pushing me down. You know what I'm saying? I thought they was pushing people over. That didn't look right. So I was kind of standing with my legs, you know, like this. He ain't pushing me down. If it's real, it's going to have to be God. And Norval Hayes was walking down the aisle. He was touching people, and they had to have about 50 ushers because they was catching people as fast as he was going, you know. And, and it started getting next to me, and I was saying, it ain't, it ain't fixing to happen to me. No, he got about three people down, and I started shaking. <laughs> now, I'm telling you the truth. I started shaking. And I said, what is this? It wasn't Norval Hayes. It wasn't Norval Hayes. But it was the power of God. And when he got to me, all he did was gently touch me on the forehead. I mean, like a breath touched my forehead. I said, boom, boom. I got it on video back here. Back when they used to video the services, I got it. I went down like a sack of potatoes. 
They caught me, thank goodness. Our ushers don't know nothing about that yet, but they will. I went down, and I laid there, and I was thinking, what in the world just happened to me? But it felt so good. It was like the presence of God was all over me. And I could, I, I could have got up, but I didn't want to. I just laid there in it. I felt, you know, my flesh was saying, this is embarrassing. I don't know why everybody else was falling out too. And I was just, oh, but oh, I don't want to move. And finally, then my flesh started waking up and saying, you got to get up from here. This is silly. And so I made myself get up. I wish I'd have just laid there and basked in the presence of God in my life. But I can tell you, it's real. The power of God is real. Some of you are saying, why don't we have it in our church? Why don't we do that? You can't make it happen. God was doing a thing then. God's doing something different now. I think maybe it had something to do with how the church began to get a little flaky, maybe cash in on the power of God, and the power of God's not here for our entertainment. The power of God is here for His purposes. And He was doing something, but we got a little flaky with it, and yeah, there was some excess, and a lot of things going on that shouldn't have went on, and I think God maybe just backed off. But I think God knew that would happen. I think God is in a new season, and God is doing something. God is always doing something new, and we shouldn't despair that we don't have that. Some people, I believe, look at me and say, Pastor, you must not be anointed. You know, pastors we had before that had the power of God. No, they, did. they had the power of God, but it wasn't them. And I'm not going to try to stand up here and push nobody down. If it's going to be real, it's going to be real. But I'm positioning myself for the real. God don't want flaky. He wants somebody who wants the power with all their heart. Not for me, but for, for what it, the power, the purpose of the power. Does that make sense? So don't be discouraged that it's quiet in the house right now. Church goes through seasons. And the season I believe we're in is he's positioning us for purpose. Say that, positioning for purpose. Besides, I don't think it's as quiet as it used to be because last Sunday we got here early for praise team practice and we practiced and when we finished, before the service, I was going to walk back there to Brother Rick. Brother Rick and I think Mary Ellen and who, who else was back there? Mario had been back there praying, expecting, believing God, I guess. I don't know what y'all was doing back there, but I saw Rick come out of the sound booth like he was drunk, had tears in his eyes. I looked up and Mary Ellen said, what is this? What is this? And I, and I was like, what are they doing back here? And as I got closer to the sound booth, I began to feel it. It's like, oh, I'm getting drunk, just getting back by here by the sound booth. Can I get a testimony? Am I telling the truth? Right there. Right there. God will be where he's expected. Say expected. You know, Jesus went to Nazareth. He could do no mighty miracles because they weren't expecting. 
because they weren't believing. I want us to be expecting God to do things. Why? So that we can have a flaky church? <laughs> Absolutely not. So that people be healed and delivered and filled and saved. And people will come from all around to see what's going on there and be saved. Pastor Vicker says he believes there'll be two churches in the end days. He said they might be sitting right across the street from one, one another. One will be over there singing from their hymnals and on their game plan, their little, what do you call it, bulletins. Scared to move off the, the plan. They have their three songs and read their scriptures. Hallelujah and go home. But across the street. The building will be shaken. Across the street. Signs and miracles and wonders. What's the difference? Are you in position? Are you expecting? One church playing church. One church being the church. And if you're uncomfortable with signs and miracles and wonders, then you need to go join a cult or something. Because our God is a God of signs and wonders and miracles. The Pharisees didn't like it when he raised the dead, but he did it anyway. They didn't like that he healed. Oh, he's doing it on the Sabbath. It don't matter what you like. That's who he is. You need to get to know him. You going out with a whimper or a bang? See, Jesus died a horrible death. The people saw when they pressed that crown of thorns on his head and the blood running in his eyes. They saw him get tore up at the whipping post. They saw his back laid open. They saw him dragging that big old heavy piece of wood up that hill, hill called Calvary. They saw that. The town was filled. It was during the Passover. There was estimated to be a million people in Jerusalem at the time. Many of them who had shouted, Hosanna! When he came into town, we're shouting, crucify him before the week was over. That's how fickle we can be. But they saw him carrying that big heavy wooden cross up Calvary. They saw the nails going in his hands and feet. They saw him lifted up. And they saw when they stuck the spear in his side and drained him of every drop of his blood. They saw his death. Some of them stuck around to see them take his body, his lifeless body off the cross and wrap him in some clothes and throw him in an empty tomb and roll a stone and then assign a whole bunch of guards to watch the tomb. They saw all this. And then three days later, they see him walking through town. The Bible says he preached over 500 at one time. That was just in one meeting after his resurrection. 
They don't say about all the other meetings he had, but at least 500 in one meeting. Not mentioned showing himself to his disciples several times and that stuff. Over 500 people. And his message to those before he left, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. He didn't say go and do your little church plan. And these same people that knew deep down in their heart this man was dead and now he's alive. I ain't never seen nothing like that. He is the Messiah. They knew deep down his I would like to think if I saw that and I was in that meeting of that 500 and he said go and wait, I would go and wait. I would like to think we got to do what this man says. This is God on earth. But just a few days later on the day of Pentecost, there's only 120 that stuck it out. Well, maybe a couple days down the road, they said, well, I'm going to have to get back to work. You know, my mules, I got to feed the cows. I got to do this. And they lost sight of what God told them to do. And they left the position he put them in. He positioned them. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and filled the house with a roar, with the power of God, and the building shook, and flames of fire were on their head, and they were changed forevermore. They went out and won 3,000 souls on that one day. They were in position for their purpose. Therefore, they were in position for the power. And what I'm trying to say is we need to be where we're supposed to be. Waiting on the Lord in position. If we want the power. Churches, we know it might just be over. I'm feeling it. I can't explain it. But things ain't the way they used to be. You know, the devil knows his time is short. 2020 proves that. <laughs> He's enticing us to give in, to play along, to turn on each other. He wants to marginalize the church. What he really wants to do is restrain the power of the Holy Spirit. We're living through a time of testing. Will you pass the test? I think the church is going through pruning. Matthew 24 says, Jesus says that in the last days, even the elect might be deceived. That means the ones that were steady in church for 20 years could be deceived. There's a shaking. He said, once I will shake heaven... Not only, not only earth, but heaven also. There's a shaking going on. And only those who are standing firm in their position will be able to stand the sifting because many pretenders are being sifted out. But, no, but my God always keeps a remnant.
And I believe you're part of that remnant. I'm believing for you. That you're going to stay in position. You're a remnant of God. And God laughs at the nations that rage against him. He laughs at the devil. and He's always a million steps ahead of any devil's plan. In Psalms 2 verse 4, he says, But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem and on my holy mountain. You see, he's placed a king on the throne that he can trust. That won't let us down. That has already gone to the lowest parts of the earth so that he may be highly exalted and be a name above every name. And a king of kings and the Lord of glory himself. His name is Jesus. And he sits on the throne. And God can laugh because he's put Jesus in charge. And Jesus will never let the Father down. Jesus will always be in position. And he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He has the power to deliver. He has the power to to swing forth that sickle in the earth and reap the the harvest. He's the head of the church. And he's the Lord of my life. And I trust him. And because my God laughs, I laugh. (laughs) Ha, 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 devil. 2020 wasn't nothing. It just made us stronger. made us stronger church as we know it might just be over it's just as well so many churches are complacent just going through the motions haven't heard from God since 1962 the only time they consult him was when they got a building fund for this or that oh there's so many dry churches out there but not the Passion Church. I refuse to be dry. I stir myself up and stir you up. I'll yell at you like a football coach if I have to. You know I will. I did it last week. And today ain't over. Stir yourselves up in your most holy faith. Because <laughs> we're building, we're not building buildings, we're building people. And that's what God's all about. He said, make me some disciples that will stand on the wall and take their place for the kingdom of God. (laughs) That will respond to my slightest nudge. Those are the ones I'll give my power to. Those that will have the courage to stand firm in the face of persecution. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Oh, I just had to go there, Pastor. Because you better prepare yourself. Already in California, they're about to make a a new ruling that says the churches have to divulge all the people that give to them. To the government. Why? Because they're getting prepared to silence you, to know who you are, to know how to 
Get prepared. It's coming. But those who know the Lord are not in fear. We're excited. We're ready for the Lord to come back. We know these things must come to pass. How are we going to handle real persecution? Are we ready? Don't wait till it's here to get ready. You know, Peter was preaching after Jesus left. He was doing good. James was preaching. All the disciples were preaching Jesus. James got beheaded. And Herod saw that it made the people happy, so he arrested Peter for doing good. For do Can you imagine some people today, if they got arrested for preaching the gospel, how mad that I'm not doing that no more. God should have delivered me. He should have done this. He should. But Peter got put in prison. They assigned 16 guards to Peter. They must have knew he had the power of God in his life. When he would sleep at night, they would chain him between two guards. They put him, I think, three behind three different levels of gates. Sixteen men watching him. And on the night before he was supposed to be executed, a bright light shone in the place. And an angel came. I keep picking on you. And tapped him on the shoulder. He said, get up, Peter, quickly. Put your clothes on. And the chains fell off. But the Bible also says the whole church was praying for Peter. If one of us gets thrown in prison, can I trust that y'all going to be praying? Are we getting ready for the end times? But the whole church was praying. And Peter got up. I don't, I guess the guards, they'd put him in a, the angel had put him asleep or something. I don't know what the situation was. He puts his clothes on. He said, get your jacket. Let's go quickly. Now, would you be ready in that situation to go quickly or would you be too sleepy spiritually? Are you too sleepy to act on God's spirit? Well, he gets up. They walk past the guards, through the gates, and when they get to the finer, final outer gate, the big iron gate, it swings open by itself. That's way before they had electronic stuff. <laughs> Hydraulics and all that. Swung open. And it says the whole time Peter's thinking this is a vision. It's so unreal what's happening to him. He just thinks this has got to be a vision. This couldn't be real. But until he got outside that last gate and then the angel left, I guess he's pinching himself. This is real. He goes to the, where the, the church is praying, knocks on the door, says it's Peter. And the road of the girl, she runs back in and says, Peter's out front. And they says, it must be his ghost. You're delusional. They didn't believe it. They were praying for it, but they didn't believe it. Peter was experiencing it. He didn't even believe it. You have no idea what's to come when the power of God shows up in your life to deliver you. You're not even going to believe it Lord, when you're experiencing it. <laughs> so how do we finish this race? Like true sons and daughters of God. How do, how do we hit that finish line running? 
with a bang. Well, we first of all, we just act like true sons and daughters of God. We put the lies behind us and understand who we are and the authority given us in Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about them in the upper room and those that were praying for Peter and how they stayed together. How they kept assembling. That's important. He wasn't just saying, you know, for no reason when he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because we need one another. They were praying. And they were staying in one accord. That was, they were staying on the genuine gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were in one mind about what their purposes were. They were preaching the word in and out of season. They didn't grow weary. Say endure. That's how you endure. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus said, sin will be rampant everywhere. Don't get your eyes on the sin. Don't get tempted by the sin. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. Say endure. We must endure. And I'm telling you how to stay in position and endure. Romans 8, 19 says, For all of creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his real children are. There's a lot of pretenders, and many of them are being sifted. Don't be a pretender. So many things I say after that. But you know where your heart is with God. And you can go to a church on this side of the road where they're just pretending and think everything is all right. And you will never experience what God has for you. After Jesus was resurrected, Peter and them, they really didn't know what to do at first. They were trying to think this thing through. Peter was already, you know, feeling guilty. He had denied the Lord three times. This was before he had been restored, you understand. He didn't know what to do, so he got back in his old boat and says, I'm, I go a fishing. Some more disciples got in there with him, and they fished all night, nothing. And the next morning, early the next morning, at the, at the dawn of something new, they see Jesus walking on the shore. They didn't recognize who he was, maybe because they were about 100 yards out. He says, fellas, have you caught anything? They said, no, we fished all night. We ain't caught nothing. He said, throw your net out on the other side of the boat, on the right side of the boat. They threw their net out, and there was so many fish that the nets were almost breaking. It was so heavy the fish, with fish, they couldn't get it in the boat. And John said, it's the Lord. And Peter's, he couldn't wait for the boat to get back. He put his jacket on and jumps in the water and swims to the shore. But let me ask you this question. If they wouldn't have been in the boat, would they have been in the position to catch the fish? I mean, if they were just walking along the shore, not doing anything, when Jesus says, here, here's your 153 big fish, 
What does Jesus do with his power? It's always where you're already at. He meets your need at your point of faith. Whatever position you're in, that's where God meets you. They wouldn't have caught any fish if they wouldn't have been in the boat. And they were in the boat all night. They could have just gave up and went home. And that's where we are maybe right now as a church. It's quiet in the house. The miracles that we saw in the 90s, and it doesn't seem like it's, oh, we long for those days. But I'm telling you, these days are just as important as those days because these are days of positioning. And if you're not in position, you won't see the end time power. He's putting processes. He's putting plans. He's given us a vision so that because of the end time harvest that I believe we're about to reap is too big for us to just be sitting around with Holy Ghost goosebumps running the aisles every Sunday playing church. Even if it is the power of God. Now is the time to get serious about the things of God. Prepare yourself to endure whatever persecution is coming and put yourself in position for power. I'm going out with a bang. I hope you're coming with me. I'm going to run to Jesus. The socks are flopping. I'm going to be so muddy and dirty. I don't care. I don't matter what I've been through because when I get to Jesus, it's, it's all new. He makes all things new. When I get to Jesus, if I can but get to Jesus, if I can touch the hem of his robe, that's all I want is Jesus. And I don't want to be sh shying away making excuses. I want to run and jump in his arms and I want me and him to do this number right here. I want us to... Woo! I want to make my dad excited. I know you do too. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just praise him for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we are able to endure. Thank you we're not pretenders, Lord. Thank you that, that we can get our hearts so in tune with you that we can endure any persecution, anything that comes at us and not be shaken, but stand firm in what we have been taught and what we believe in your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're positioning us for power and Lord, you've given us the vision. We're sitting in between the vision. Where we're going, how we're getting there, why we're going. We see what you've given us to do. And we're getting in position. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.